1: Welcome everyone, this is your podcast, New Books in Economics and Business History. I'm your host, Javier Mejia, from Stanford University, and today I have the great pleasure to be with Alberto Bicin, who is a professor of economics at New York University, also fellow of the Econometric Society, of NBER, and many other uh, prestigious uh, research centers. And we're also with Giovanni Federico. He's professor of economic history at New York University in Abu Dhabi. He's also um, a very influential economic historian. He's the editor of the Economic History Review. And the two of them are the editors of a recently published book called The Handbook of Historical Economics. It's a fantastic um, product, and we're going to chat with them about about it. So let me say hi to the two of them. Thanks a lot for being here, Alberto Giovanni.
0: Thank you for invitation, of course. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great pleasure.
1: Let's start maybe by talking a bit about, about you. Um, could you tell us... Um, Where did you grow up? How did you decide to become scholars? Why did you become interested in economic history? Let's talk a bit about that. Um, Would you mind to start, Alberto?
2: No, no, not at all. It's a pleasure. Um, So I was born in Milan, Italy, um, and I grew up in a small town outside of South Milan, which is called Bucinasco, which is mostly known for uh, the mafia uh, uh, presence, which started in the 70s and 80s. Um, and uh, so I come from a you know, lower middle class family. I went to school in Milan. Um, I did classic studies. I wanted to do philosophy, uh, to study philosophy. Uh, my father told me that you know philosophy was for people with independent money uh, so i couldn't do that and then <laughs> uh, I, was, I was my father didn't go to university i was a first generation college um, and so i decided to go to bocconi which is in italy is well known uh, as an economic center but mostly as a business school um, and i went there and i couldn't really do business i mean i was just not cut for that i really wanted to, you know, be an intellectual in some way. And uh, so I did economics, um, and then Bocconi was, uh, this was, uh, you know, in the late 80s, uh, Bocconi was, you know, at the moment very well connected with, or was the only place in Italy well connected with the U.S., they were sending good students for PhDs and so on, and so that's I went. So I ended up in Chicago, I did a PhD in economics there, And my interest for economic inter- history, apart from, you know, an intellect- general intellectual interest, but as, as, a, as a researcher, is very recent. It's mostly, you know, it's mostly due to Giovanni, I would say. Um, you know, interesting guy. We started talking about all sorts of stuff. And I was going uh, with my research into things that could have been explained um, With history, and you you will see from when we talk about the handbook, and so we started talking, and and that's how it went. I really, you know, the the first thing in historical economics that I did is certainly editing the book uh, with him. So.
1: That's, that's super interesting. What about you, Giovanni? We're gonna get into the origins of this project in a bit, but let's let's a bit know. Let's first know a bit about your your background,
0: Giovanni. Uh, well, my background is not very different from Alberto. Basically, I'm from a very very small provincial town in Tuscany, and uh, which is called Montecatini, uh, and. Um, I attended uh, uh, saw, philosophy at the University of Pisa because just uh, uh, I was not so keen on philosophy, but at that time there was not history in the Italian University as a, as a degree. And uh, I ended up, uh, I, I liked history, and I then ended up there because there was a Still has is an Elite College at the University of Pisa, which is a scuola normale which offers food and lodging to the students. And um, basically, I did want to escape from my small provincial town. So that was my best option to go away. And uh, when I arrived there, I realized the only interesting professor in, uh, in uh, history was. Uh, uh, Shano Cafagna was an economic historian, so I started to work on economic history, and that was in the uh, 1970s, so much older than uh, Javier and Alberto, and then I had done economic history since then, uh, of course, uh, as a professional economic historian, first in, uh, in Italy, and then I moved uh, quite recently to the New York University of Abu Dhabi. And the project, uh, actually, uh, uh, Alberto is uh, uh, not too modest about it because basically it was a a project which... Uh, Elsevier uh, started is uh, a part of this big series of handbooks in economics, which is, has been going on since the nineteen seventies, and this is quite big ones. And uh, uh, economic history, which has been for a long period of time a small field, a very highly specialized field in economics, uh, with. Uh, few practitioners all over the world has become a quite fashionable among economic historians and economists and so uh, uh, be- alberto had already st- edited a very important book uh, on, that co- on that collection and so he was asked uh, to, to, uh, to edit uh, this book about historical economics, and then involved me just because to sh- we are friends, basically, but it could have been done uh, by himself without my with, with my help. And so, we what we try to do is give a balanced view of the of the field. So, which is uh, still uh, uh, somehow divided between economic historians, who are not that much historians. Most of them have economics training. I'm a, a, one of the bad uh, bad apples in this, uh, but uh, uh, basically are uh, a group which has been going on since the 1960s, 1970s with their own reviews and, and uh, economists who have been converted or at least uh, started to show interest in economic history. Uh, who, uh, more more recently, and have a slightly different uh, type of research approach, slightly different uh, type of research questions. And so the the book is a collaboration also because it's it's a joint work between two two people who are coming from Different backgrounds: one coming from economics with interest in economic history because he thinks it's an important field, and another who has always has been an economic historian and, by definition, thinks that uh, economic history is uh, is an important or at least uh, uh, import, important enough to 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 work on it for his uh, lifetime. That was in a very very short. Uh, View the, to the original project.
1: That's that's very interesting, and I'm um, a bit surprised about the common elements in in your history, right? This interest for philosophy, and how somehow you managed still to get together and and, and do a project like this. Um, but so I'm, um, and I'm also curious about what you were mentioning, Giovanni, in terms of how the book. Uh, was eventually put together and how you decided to pick the authors and the topics but before that why don't you tell us what is historical economics right like what what is this specific concept i think you tried to define the term in, in the book as a very concrete concept um tell us a bit about that why not talking about economic history or how is this different from economic history this is a different. Feel a different approach to the same field. Tell tell me a bit about that.
2: Maybe I go. Um, Yes, so uh, Giovanni already uh, started mentioning this. Um, So, economists have gotten, uh, of course, economists are interested in history, always been interested in history, but. you know, economists are historians with, with a bit more math than, than the basic historian. But so uh, we've always been interested in history, but um, but more recently, I think in the last 20 years, economists have started using historical data um, at, a, at, a, at a level that we haven't done before. Okay. and. Uh, uh, in, in a sense, that's economics, in a sense, uh, you know, the work of Daron Acemoglu, Jim Robinson, um, Andre Schleifer, other people, right? So in in a sense, these are economists doing economics using historical data. And like economists normally are, we tend to be, you know, there's this term imperialistic, okay? So we, we jump into others' fields and, you know, break them apart and restart, and sometimes we, we rediscover hot water. But um, that's really what people have done. Okay, economists have done. Um, economic historians, of course, uh, tend to be defensive. Um, in some sense, defensive, like it's natural. In some sense, they are annoyed by you know this this thing. You know, economists tend to you know come to this to to other fields um, very violently in a rhetorical way. Okay, so. Um, not that much connection between economic historians uh, and economists doing history or using histo- uh, historical data, um, and that's a problem, obviously. Like it is always um, right. So I have been I have been working a lot, let's say, at the boundary between economics and sociology, or even anthropology, if you want. Stuff which has to do with uh, culture, cultural transmission, and things of this sort. And you know the problem there is the same. Very hard to talk to sociologists. Sociologists don't like us. Um, the sociologists, and anthropologists doing this kind of work don't like us um, for for obvious reasons. So this time when I started thinking about history, I thought you know um, it makes sense to start to try and, and open up. Okay, to start to start and and, and start and listening to to the complaints of the historians. Um, uh, earlier rather than later uh, in the process. And, 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 and Giovanni complains a lot. So I, I, like, I like that very much. So, you know, I've known Giovanni for, for a long time before. So, we, you know, we were talking about this. And then when, uh, as, as Giovanni was saying, when Al asked me uh, if I wanted to, to do another handbook, I thought, you know, this is a fantastic opportunity because uh, differently from what Giovanni said, of course, I could not do this by myself. Um, I could have done something by myself, that's true. I mean, I could have had... I, I could have... Uh, uh, have done a, a handbook on, on whatever, economists doing history, uh, but I wouldn't have had the historians. Okay, so... And, and, and the key here uh, was this. And so the term, as you're saying, historical economics was our attempt uh, to say there is something new, it's not economic history, it's not economics, it's something in the middle, It's something that is happening right now. And in in, in some sense, it's not happening the way we would like it to happen methodologically. So that was the whole, so we tried to coin, I don't know if we did coin this term, but you know, we use this term. Um, There's something else called called, um, historical political economy. A lot of people are doing this. And in some sense, that's what we're doing. I mean, it's a little broader the handbook, the historical but There's not only political economy, but there's also that. There. Um, so that's the idea. So we wanted a term uh, which conveyed the fact that there's a lot of economics, there's a lot of economic history, but it's, uh, it's, it's something new.
0: Yeah, Yeah. okay. Uh, let me add a couple of pieces of information and then uh, I will uh, react. The uh, first piece of information is that historical economics, uh, it has a long tradition uh, there is a, uh, basically uh, is a there is a, 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 a historical economic society in Europe, which I was has been president. Uh, basically, it was coined in the 1980s uh, in order to stress uh, that uh, these people were. In uh, definition in our definition economic historians, were different from traditional economic historians who are much more historian and so it was stressing that uh, this type of this brand of history which had been started in the 1960s in the United States was different from traditional economic history it was m- much more historical uh, than uh, um, and so it was a novel thing for continental Europe. We are speaking about continental Europe mostly, rather than U- UK, of course, rather than United States, where the economic this brand of economic history had been had won the methodological battle uh, much earlier. And uh, uh, the key point uh, I would like to stress uh, is that uh, what really differs is not the type of methodology. Uh, between economic historians and some economists, but it's a research question. So what uh, Athemoglu is doing, basically, is economics in the very simple sense that he uh, is visible meaning sorry that he's interested in uh, present day issues. I want to understand uh, what, why, which were the uh, economic roo- historical roots of. Uh, x which is x uh, nowadays outcome uh, uh, so the very famous article by uh, smoglu uh, johnson and robinson which has been the start of this uh, big boom in economic history or e- interest in economic in history by eco- economies is uh, the colonial origin of uh, development so basically how much uh, the uh, colonial experience shaped the, the different outcome of uh, poor countries now and rich countries now. And this is different from what I think uh, is economic history because economic history maybe is not so interesting for economists, but the key point is that they are interested in history per se. Uh, of course, my work as economic historian have. Uh, Uh, may have impact of uh, may be useful to understand the present but is not my main aim when i I do not write but i say someone writes which were the causes of industrial revolution which has been clearly the most important fact in uh, in economic history after the neolithic revolution uh, clearly of course, the economic industrial revolutions shaped the modern world uh, in any reason, any way you can list them in uh, social, uh, uh, cultural, economics, whatever. But uh, I am not interested in the co- present-day consequence. I am interested why it was England in uh, 1750 and not uh, France in 1750 and not China in 1300. And the uh, so this is the very uh, the real difference and I think that uh, uh, the the book just to speak uh, has is uh, interesting from this point of view because it considers uh, of course is impossible to take into account the whole research because of course uh, even if the book is big we have limits about it. Constraint about the site. But we try to give a, a, a broad view of uh, both uh, uh, methodologies, uh, but also results, research results in different types. So there are chapters which are more about historical facts, historical re- result, outcome, historical research, and chapter which are focusing on this uh, uh, economic, uh, economist's approach, which is often called persistent studies so just to show which is the long-term effect of uh, uh, of historical facts events uh, or whatever to the to present or uh, so how how long they was persistent so historical economics has a long tradition but uh, now we intend something which is a, a broadly uh, broader uh, uh, a broader field which encompasses some economic history, or economic history which is more inspired by economics methodology, and some economics which is uh, uh, at least interested in historical events and historical data. That's that's why we try to use this midway uh, midway type of uh, definition of the field. Uh, just for, uh, our introduction is called merger acqui- or, uh, acquisition exactly for this because we try there to uh, argue that uh, uh, we, have, we need a merger so that the, two, the best parts of the two fields merge together in a new synthesis rather than acquisition by economists uh, of that. Okay, uh, s- telling to historians, okay, give, give us our data. We'll do the really important and relevant stuff. Yes,
2: can I can I make one one comment? So yeah, so obviously Giovanni thinks of his so I think of historical economics as something new. He thinks of something that is historically you know determined. Okay, so we're going back. Yeah, says, so yeah, of course there was historical economics in the sixties. No, uh, just one comment on what he said, which um, you know, I'm just commenting, um, uh, which is interesting, which is uh, you know. It, it, it's a little. I agree with him, of course. Uh, I mean, we agree with uh, we this together. But that, that um, a lot of history of what we call historical economics is motivated by questions um, which are standard economic questions, uh, right? Uh, as he says, about the present, okay, not about uh, historical facts. Now, um, a lot of these questions, in fact, starting from from the, the colonial origin paper are questions that I would want to say are, are economists refer to as economic growth, right? So we had uh, you know um, new growth theory in the eighties and this is new new growth theory where you know we are going much you know in the eighties we we're thinking about urban agglomeration or uh, you know R and D or things of this sort as explaining growth and now we're going much much more uh, back in history, and we think about culture, and institution, and things of this sort. Right? So, uh, the, the, the example that he was making—the the, the industrial revolution—is is important because, and, and it's interesting, and it gives you a lot of subtlety here. Because yes, it's true that understanding historical industrial revolution is understanding an historical fact, England, 1750. But really, economists think of it as understanding growth. Okay, so. Uh, when, when economists do uh, or, or read or think or do work on industrial revolution, historical economy, I would say, right? So what they are after is, was it culture? Was it institution? How was it both? And that's because we're thinking about cultural institution as fundamental phenomenon, phenomena in explaining growth, uh, in explaining current development in any case independently from the Industrial Revolution per se, but we think that there might be some mapping between institutions, for instance, between institution and growth that we're interested in generally to understand this phenomenon now, right?
1: right. Let, let, let me follow up um, like in that direction when you um, signal how um, a good part of what economists add to this conversation is uh, coming from a conceptual point of view of how to think about these issues. Um, there's one thing that it's uh, structural in economics training, which is to think about things from a formal perspective, right? Um, and I want to ask you this specifically, Alberto, because you have this background in, in theory, what's then the the space of formal theory in in this uh, research agenda or in, in this field of, of historical economics?
2: Yes. So that's a that's a fantastic question. Uh, at least for me, it's really the core. In some sense, it's, it's the core of my interest here. Um, so first of all, economists in many fields uh, outside of historical economics are divided about the role of models in empirical work. Okay, so economists write down models, but sometimes we estimate directly these models, and we refer to this as structural methods. And sometimes we don't uh, estimate directly the model, but we we are we're doing reduced form analysis, right? Typically, some sort of regression, and then of course with these instruments and other sophisticated techniques to understand exogenity. So most of the work in historical economics, I would say, is of this second kind. Okay, so it's uh, when when Giovanni was talking about persistent studies. Uh, persistent studies are typically, um, you know, regressions again with all the uh, bells and whistle of doing this right, but regressions uh, of the, of uh, phenomena or data in the historical past um, on uh, something you know, current. Okay, so. Um, uh, uh, so 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 there's no there's typically data points back in history and right now there's nothing in the middle or very little in the middle if there is anything um, and okay and 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 the, the methods are, are sophisticated statistical method but not structured so there are no direct models for instance of the dynamic of some the dynamics of some variable over history. Okay, So my personal point of view is that there's a lot to be learned in historical economics uh, by writing down formal models and trying as much as possible with the, all the limitations of modeling on one side and of the data on the other, trying as, as much as possible um, to use all the properties of these models, of the whole dynamics to understand historical phenomena and to understand how historical phenomena affect uh, current day variables. Okay, so in the book we have tried hard um, to find, um, you know, examples of this. So we have a few chapters um, uh, uh, which are more structural. Okay, and and, uh, and and this is because we wanted to signal uh, the, the book has a, quite a bit of, of methodological chapters. Um, and so we wanted to signal that, you know, that's a direction that it's interesting to explore. Okay. And so um, things, uh, so people have done structural work in history, if you wish. Um, typically, these are macro, a lot of this, and we have a couple of chapters, these are macroeconomists studying um you know, again, growth or the Great Depression or things of this sort. They've used models, they've used the standard models macroeconomists use to understand, for instance, the causes of the Great Depression and things of this sort, right? So um, there is much less about uh, modeling uh, long-run history, okay? Um, This is, that kind of work, of course. So I personally have done, that's how I got into to historical economists, that's you know i've been interested in in models of cultural transformation and institutional dynamics um like uh, of course before me there are nasa in Robinson. they've also written down these models but then when they do empirical work they don't they you know they they're motivated by their models but they're they're not using their models directly in the empirical work um i would like uh, I think that's interesting to do. I would like to do that if I can, as much as I can. I haven't done it yet, but I would love to go that there, right? So that is, in in some sense, that's why I'm saying, you know, fantastic question from my point of view, because that's really where my heart stands.
0: Yeah. May I uh, add a couple of... Uh, I, I, I think it's very... Uh, uh, and fully agree with uh, Alberto because one of the problems from the point of view economic historian of this approach, economist approach, a la Hazemok Robbins, is that they pretend, uh, uh, I mean, to, to extract uh, from data, uh, for very, very imperfect data, very strong relations. So this type of approach has been, uh, uh, is uh, had deeply influenced what is called in economics the credibility revolution, which is basically a type of econometric a, a approach was, which was born in labor economics where you have uh, plenty of very good data about uh, very micro data, about individuals, preferences, whatever. And so you can uh, 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 not, esc- not have uh, a, a strong... Uh, A strong theoretical approach because the data are so good that they can substitute for good theorizing. In economic history, unfortunately, the data are not so good, and especially the data are are, a lot of important data are missing, uh, because of course uh, we do not have the information. We are not the statistical uh, uh, offices which can produce data for a a large number of reasons, and so something to strengthen the the. if the econometric inferences is much more needed there than in uh, labor economics of the nineteen nineties or two thousand and ten where you have very good data and uh, of course that's much very much difficult. I have to say that uh, the use of models in economic history and I'm not speaking about now modern persistent study historical was was much more diffused. Uh, of course, were simple models uh, for simple questions in the 1970s and 1980s, exactly for this reason. Uh, Bob Fogel got the Nobel Prize for economics, so, I mean, for uh, uh, their work on railroads uh, and on slavery, in both cases, they had plenty of formal and informal economic reasoning and very little or not at all econometrics exactly because in the 1960s and 1970s mainstream economics were quite developed econometrics and data data are not, were not that developed so he had to uh, to think hard with models within the limits in order to uh, achieve uh, economic history results, which, are, I mean, if uh, he got the Nobel Prize, we have to suppose that the results were good. So I think that uh, using return to some structural theory is very important, maybe not... Uh, is a very different task, a very difficult task, but I think it's a very important task.
2: Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill or get energized.
1: This, this is very interesting and very inspiring in a certain way for those of us that um, do formal theory uh, to understand history as my um, guy like myself has, has been exposed to um, a bunch of settings in which I feel somehow misunderstood, right? Like a certain community among economic historians that do not seem to appreciate much um uh, theory, But uh, I think that's one of the fascinating things of of the book, which is that it defines in a certain way how probably things should be done in the future, right? It has a bit of an uh, aspirational dimension, which I, I found very interesting. Um, but I, I want to push a bit uh, further in, into something that you mentioned, Giovanni, right? Regarding the quality of the data I use in some of this um, research uh, mostly coming from economics and economic history, right? So you talk about imperfect data, right? And you've spent uh, a lot of time working uh, in archives and collecting data. What do you think is the space of that type of endeavor in, in, this, uh, in this agenda, right? of spending a lot of resources, paying attention that the data is well collected, that it's precise, that uh, it's not biased by the process of the collection. Tell tell, tell us a bit about that.
0: Yeah, okay. I think that uh, this is a very interesting point I would like to stress. Uh, And then uh, harks back to my uh, training. Of course, being trained as a historian, of course, I don't know uh, much about economics and about econometrics, but uh, I am uh, uh, much better in building data, uh, databases. I've done a huge database on trade uh, in the 19th uh, early 20th century, and I have finishing finished, basically, another huge database about population, from 1800 onwards, because I think that good data are important, and uh, is uh, economists are not very good at. Uh, uh, basically, uh, they attitude is that okay, I have to produce my own data, but uh, uh, once I produce my novel, wonderful, interesting database about X. And of course, X is a specific issue they are dealing with. Then I can uh, I do not have time to, to worry about whether data on population or whatever type of data controls they were using are good or not. There is a famous uh, uh, I mean. I do not want to enter in uh, nasty details, but there are plenty of uh, examples about economies who are picking the first data they can get without bothering whether they are good or not. Uh, also, because they attitude, yes, okay, okay, the data might be wrong, but uh, everything ends up in the error. So basically, uh, the, if the uh, average uh, is uh, zero, the average error is zero, the variance of the error is not that much point. Uh, whilst there is a huge problem of biases uh, and, uh, in data. And so I have the, always the, the, the example of Angus Madison, who was uh, uh, everyone knows his uh, Madison database, which has been a widely used resources by any economist. I was a friend of him. Of course, he was a big madison. I was a young, young boy at the time. But they always uh, stressed the importance of having good data and that producing good data is a service to the profession. Maybe you would not earn you a paper on American Economic Review, but in the long run, is much more useful than the, the 25th Nazi uh, or very very uh, brilliant uh, economic paper then uh, you can my uh, produce so i think the good data and uh, last point there are plenty of sources around of course uh, there are sources that are imperfect uh, sources of lacking, but if you look carefully and uh, 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 you you uh, work hard, you can produce a surprisingly good, a uh, surprising large number of data and uh, even good ones, at least better, better than uh, um, many widely used databases. So I think it is a, a part which the profession should reward much more. Because clearly because clearly I mean if you try to publish a database or say you spend your PhD dissertation producing a very good database on I don't know industrial production in China. Uh, Maybe you can get one paper, uh, but uh, the database would be very helpful for a large number of other people. If you produce a very brilliant uh, 25th paper about culture institution with uh, reworking the same old data, well, unless you're a genius, uh, probably you're your paper will be forgotten in five years' time because there will be the 26th, 27th, 28th, 30th paper, always uh, reworking with the same data.
1: I agree with this, right? That The fact that there's this heroic um, element to the collection of historical data that is not very well appreciated by, uh, by the community. Um, but I would like to know, actually... Your opinion on and, and that and, and more specifically about how we're experiencing this technological revolution that um, is not only making much more efficient the collection of of data. So I spent uh, years working in archives in Colombia, for instance, and now I know that the same type of work that I did, uh, now I could do it in A handful of months or something using the current technology and i'm talking about uh methods to digitalize information to transcribe that information etc so it seems like i have the impression that this is going to dramatically change the the field and i would like to hear your your opinion that uh maybe uh giovanni you can start but i would also like to hear what alberto wants to say but go on giovanni
0: yeah, I mean, uh, of course, now the world is much, much better than uh, uh, even 10 years ago. I mean, the amount of resources which is uh, can be ev- available and the techniques are much better. And, of course, with OCR uh, and uh, all this type of stuff, you can produce uh, and, uh, uh, I mean, collect, uh, physically collect much easier, a lot of data, which we know. There was, but it had been very difficult because copying data by hand, which I've done for a long period of time, is uh, too low. But uh, so the world is much, much better from this point of view. Is but uh, there is one point uh, which I would like to, to remind, that uh, the instinct for data is uh, uh, something which uh, uh, which people create by experience on the with, on the job training, whether the data is plausible or not, uh, whether the data and uh, uh, whether the statistical sources are reliable or not. Uh, I, don't know, I mean, tax the record, for instance. It's very easy to digitalize the large number of tax records, I mean. In many countries, but the key point is that whether they are biased, how much they are biased, and in which direction—usually downwards—are biased. Then you need the, the skill, some skills, historical skills, and uh, these uh, so cannot be acquired simply uh, coping, having photocopied the data PDFs and sent to Indians because this, this is easy to do a lot of economists are doing this but then you end up with data which are many more of them but are bad as well if you do not consider which buy, how biased they are and so this is a, a skill which uh, must be mastered in order to, go, to do good work with the data What's your take on this Alberto?
1: I would like to maybe add a dimension of this, which is the use of machine learning techniques to extract additional information from the data collected.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, of course I agree. Uh, there's various dimensions here. Um, one is uh, it, it's much easier, of course. Okay, so uh, collecting data is easier, and and as a consequence, there's more data, and people will collect more data. and uh, Of course, I agree with Giovanni, as I said, I learned from him, from him complaining. uh, You know, a lot of subtleties about data. I think he is absolutely right. That economists tend to, we are used to not, really, we don't have, typically, an issue of the quality of data. We might have no data about something and it's a problem, but, you know, a data set, it's a data set, okay? um it might not fit well the, your question so you might have bad data in the sense that the data that it, it's not the right data to um, you know to understand your question but the data point is the data point right uh, for an economist um, Giovanni you know when when he when he discusses a data set he has that particular data point which you know has been made up and the other one which works and He he has literally, really, a sense um, of the quality of the data point, not just the data set. You see what I mean, right? So. You know, we know there's a there's a you know, population data. We know a lot about these countries, but not about that. Your distribution of wealth. Recently, we we're discussing distribution of wealth. You no, know, yes, there's more about wealth. There's less less about income, and the, the, the data point on wealth are, are much so much better than the data points about income. Okay, so uh, this is all uh, stuff that, uh, as he said, you know, you need a professional to do. Having said that, uh, no doubt there is more data. Um, the the aspect and so that's only good okay um the aspect uh which is important which is what you also important which you so we were saying is there is really new data okay it's not just more it's new kind of data um in the book we have a couple of chapters about archaeological data ethnographic data that now economists are starting to use and on top of that there's the issue of machine learning. There's the issue of you know this this um, automatized methods to collect data. Um, a lot of a lot of new uh, a lot of new stuff. It's incre- It's really incredibly useful and fascinating. Now, uh, uh, for instance, uh, you know text analysis in machine learning. There's a lot of use of this um, in history, but also more generally in economics. Um, Incredibly useful, a lot of data. A lot of it is descriptive. Okay, so economists tend to, you know, um, raise their eyebrows when when uh, when they see descriptive uh, papers, descriptive analysis. Right? We try to understand um, mechanisms, uh, relationships, rather than describe them. Okay, so. Um, we're still not there with a lot of this data. We're still not there in uh, in using them in forms um, that we'd like. But in part, this is because you know it's new. Okay, a lot of work uh, goes into uh, into coming up with the data, into constructing it in intelligent ways. Recently, I've seen um, uh, people on top of text analysis doing. Uh, uh, pictures and analysis of, of, of uh, visual data, right? So incredibly useful. Um, you know, I, 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 I'd love to, to, to understand more about this. Um, and, 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 you know, what can, how can I say? So to the, for the moment, I think a lot of this stuff is descriptive and it's very useful and we'd lo- we love to see it and we should, you know, incentivize the collection of this data um, at the same time, you know, uh, they're not changing the way we think we think about stuff enough because uh, because it's descriptive. Um, now, there's one thing that I've always thought. You know, one way to think about this that I always thought would be would be interesting. I never really, you know, thought harder apart from the name, right? So. Going back to the issue of models, uh, you know, there's there's a there's a there's an underlying question, not necessarily in historical economics, but in the use of this new data, in the use of large data set. Uh, it's whether you know, data and and models are are, are complements or substitutes, right? So, in, in a, a lot of economics, not in historical economics, but a lot of economics nowadays. You know, there's so much data that people argue. Well, we don't need models anymore. We, we have the data to answer our to answer questions, right? So I, I I tend to be, of course, as you already <laughs> have seen from what I say, um, to be on the other side. That the more data you have, the more models you need, um, right? Um, but you know, but 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 this is just my prior. I don't have any 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 substantial argument there. But I, 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 that's that's an issue that I think it's important and, and we'll go more into.
1: And how do you think that this is going to play out in the future? I'm, I'm curious here about how you perceive the future of the discipline is evolving, right? Like in 20 years, how do you think that a standard paper in economic history would look like, would look a bit as you... Think is fitting in this uh, historical economics narrative. Do you think that there's space in that future for this conventional, more historians approach that the past matters on its own? How, how do you forecast that, uh, that uh, scenario of the discipline?
2: Let me try. Um... Yeah, of course. Uh, of course, I don't know. I mean, when you ask these kind of questions, you, you tend to you tend to express a wishful thinking more than you know more than, than a forecast. Okay, so uh, you already know that that, that uh, my wishful thinking is uh, much more so much more modeling of narratives. I mean, historians uh, maybe not. You know, historians are very good um, at, apart from what Giovanni was saying, finding data and studying data, um, are very good at, at writing down narratives and thinking about narratives. And narratives for economists are models. And uh, I think, uh, I think uh, uh, right, so I think a, a, a closer contact between these narratives and the data that support these narratives, it, it's helpful. And I see, um, and I kind of see the field going that way, okay? Uh, I, I am sure it will go that way, much less than I would like it to go that way. But, but I think it will. I mean, I, I see a lot of, in the book, but not in our book, in the handbook, but not only there, I see a lot of people uh, thinking, rethinking persistent studies from a methodological point of view. Okay, so I have a chapter in the book, I should say, so uh, on this, so I, I'm I'm partial, um, uh, but but Joachim Bott, who's uh, somebody who's maybe has written the most famous and important persistent studies, the one on uh, on um, Nazi political attitudes, okay, um, explained um, going back to the to the Black Death, okay, so. Um, He is also complaining about persistent studies in in the book, right? So he has a methodological uh, chapter on that. I think, you know, you can have, we have very specific complaints, methodological complaints, but in in the end, I think these complaints are boiled down to the fact that um, there is no, it's very hard to, it's very hard to come up with the beginning of history, it's 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 not hard. It's kind of st- stupid. <laughs> okay, so um, so saying you know you st- there is you want to explain a phenomenon now and you say oh yeah it's uh, it's it's explained on what happened in thirteen thirty two maybe <laughs> but you know but then in in five hundred and twelve there was also something relevant. Okay, so it, it, it's just silly and and it's it, Okay, so that's one point. And the second point, even if you find something relevant in 1322, um, it, what happened in the middle between then and now, it's got to be important in many ways. Um, and so I think in some way, that's where we're going, right? Now, whether we put more data, whether we, um, you know, trace models to, want to to have models to understand what happens in the middle, um Jointly with new data, I think that's where we're going. That's where you know um, common sense uh, will will take you. Okay, and and um, yeah, I think I, I I hope that's where we're going, and I think in some way that's where we're going. Uh, how much I don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically, I don't, first, I don't know. I mean, uh, predict, try to predict the future. I think that uh, we have to disca- distinguish between predicting what will happen in economic history. It says that I suppose that uh, there will be people who study, I don't know how many, probably a few of them who could go on studying uh, econo- history for the sake of history and the uh, sake to understand what happened in economics in the past. Uh, I don't know what which impact these people people like myself that will produce data they will uh, uh, go on expanding one point is that we are uh, we started with uh, uh, um, economic uh, economics issues in a very narrow so GDP, trade, whatever, and now there is much more interest in, uh, for instance, demographic, uh, health issues, uh, social issues, and so this one, and hope that will go on. I don't know what will happen with the persistent studies with economists because. Uh, i mean uh i don't know whether they will become a permanent feature among economists so there will be a subfield in economics uh, called uh, historical economics with people trying to i mean use systematically historical evidence uh, to understand the present or to understand the or that will be a fashion will fade uh, as other fashion in, in. The, so basically, uh, and uh, this uh, is very difficult to predict uh, whether there will be. The merger, which we are hoping, or uh, the, these two fields will remain uh, separate as they are still mostly still now. I mean, we hope that we, our book will be helpful to uh, to co- to get them closer to each other. But uh, I mean, it's still far from uh, from achieved. I mean, uh, if you speak to us, to economists, uh, name of economic historians. Uh, are not public. Uh, who are not uh, in the, in the persistent studies uh, uh, business. I think that most of them will be totally unknown. I mean, to to economists, economists economist, or most of them. Yeah, but who knows? Basically, I hope that the uh, good good work will go on because uh, g- good work is always useful and rewarding for people who are doing it but uh, I don't know how much, 1%, 10%, 100%, uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, I
1: I share your optimism, Giovanni. Um, l- let me ask you one one final question, and I ask this through all my guests, um, because, um, and I think this is the case both in economic history and economics and pretty much in every other social science, there are a bunch of incentives to publish articles, right? And um, it seems to be somewhat um, weird to uh, have people writing books, right? You wrote a book. This is a handbook, which it's a very specific type of book, but it's still a book. And the question is then, why writing books, right? Like, what what do you think is the purpose of them? What's the space that they have in the scientific community? Um, and how do you think that um, scholars should think about um, the production of books and, and its contribution, the knowledge generation?
2: Uh, should I go first? Um... Yeah, I think I think you're right uh, incentives uh, matter a lot and then somehow incentives are often you know based on social norms uh, this is certainly the case in economics there is certainly very little incentives in writing a book for a young scholar uh, we went from you know economists used to write books um, and now they don't there is no way I Anybody, any anybody old like me will tell a, a young uh, a young colleague who wants to write a book, don't do that. I mean, you know, you're not going to get tenure. It's uh, it's very hard to you ready to get tenure because the publishing process is, is really very long. Um, and uh, if you think about writing a book, it's just suicide, academic suicide, really. Okay, so. Uh, one example which I think is kind of interesting, even though you know the, intro, the, the, the it's it's written in a in, a, in a, um, a somehow unpleasant way. but the introduction, if you think about the introduction of uh, Thomas Piketty's book um, on inequality, the first one i mean the the, the big one, uh, he has an introduction but He says he went back I, I I went back to France because only in France I could write a book and 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 you know and do this, and I had this very long run plan. And you know, and it's annoying if you're in the US because he's, he's really criticized the US, but he's really right. I mean, there is no way even somebody as good as Thomas could have uh, made a career uh, working essentially 10 years or how much long he worked uh, writing a book, even a fundamental book like the one he did. Okay, so um, there is no doubt, and uh, 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 as I'm implicitly saying, I think this is costly for the profession. There are things that require uh, book-length work, okay? Um, and I don't, I don't see much, you know, in terms of uh, changing this norm. I think uh, that's the norm um, we go with as economists. I mean, later on, after you have tenure, you can do that, and you do that, and people do that less, maybe than optimal, but people do that um and that's okay but early on it's harder now there's one other thing though that I would like to say which is in a way though economic i mean the way we write papers sometimes paper now are 120 pages long and there's a whole discussion with referees and they get changed so many times and you know they, they are little books okay um Often, not always. I mean, some you can also write short papers which make a very precise points. But a lot of time we write papers which are books. I mean, which are short books. Um, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't. I I don't know what's the optimal trade-off there. Okay. Um, but but we, we do write things which have which are not books, but you know they have a breath. Papers which have a lot of breath. Okay. Um, and, and uh, okay, but, 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 uh, but I think, I, I, I love, I mean, I, I, I personally like to uh, go, go more towards books. Uh, I should say though, for instance, even in my case, um, you know, I've done a lot of work on cultural transmission with a quarter with a of my, Thierry Verdier. We've been working on this for, for 20 years at least, maybe more. Uh, and we always said, you know, we have a book, we need a book we need to write a book and be nice. And if we write a book, we would write in a way that uh, exactly, this is at the boundary of sociology, political science, anthropology. So we would write a book uh, which, you know, people in this field, in other social sciences would uh, read and appreciate, maybe. And we never find the time because it's a lot, it's a lot of work. And uh, even at our stage, which we are old, um, there's not that, you know, it takes a book like this would take a long time. It would take us out of the publishing process and the writing papers process, uh, for a couple of years, maybe. And uh, if you're as, um, effective and efficient as, uh, you know, Daronos and Moglu, you can do that. Uh, we can't, um, and so, you know, we ended up not writing. We will at some point, but it will be too late.
0: Yeah. I fully agree. The first point is that uh, it's a problem of economists. So basically, an incentive to young economists. I'd like to add a a couple of small points. Uh, First, uh, there is a scope... for books written by old people, I mean, tenured people. Clearly, before tenure, there is no no way to publish a book Uh, and being being tenured, at least in most economics departments in the world. Uh, There are two uh, uh, scopes. First, uh, general books. I wrote a general book about agriculture, where I tried, which was midway between a textbook and a general view of, uh, it took me five years, basically because I was already tenured, so I did not bother that much. And, uh, but I think this can be useful to give a broader view, and uh, this was mostly a, a summary of what uh, I was able to to read from other people's books or. Another view is that the recent O'Dell Galore book, O'Dell yeah. basically what he did is to write several papers with his own view of long-term economic history, and then try to uh, <clears throat> sum, the, sum up them in a more reader-friendly uh, type of approach without all the whistles of econometrics, robustness checks, and giving to a more or more general public the, the g- gist of his book or his ideas. So basically, books can be either textbooks, maybe advanced textbooks, or uh, summaries uh, of uh, uh, Previous research, which had been published in bits and pieces in different papers, in different uh, uh, articles, and can be summed up in a more coherent way without too many details, but uh, in order to be more reader friendly. But beyond that, uh, it seems to be very difficult to, to have. Uh, re- old-style research book, like uh, Fogel's Railroads or Fogel uh, Climbing on the Cross, which were research books so where new research were put forward. In both cases, I was quoting re- new research. There's not new research, neither in textbooks, by definition, nor in the Ode Galloes approach book. I mean, this uh, already published work in a, uh, in a different uh, way.
1: Fascinating. Thank, thanks a lot for for your thoughts on this. And let me, with this, uh, uh, get to the end of our conversation. We're going to chat a bit longer um, uh, offline. But um, but let me thank you again, not only for taking the time to have this conversation, which has been very entertaining and and insightful. But also for writing this book, um, you're being quite modest, but um, I think it does represent a uh, very important effort in trying to bridge these communities that um, are somewhat uh, isolated. And, and I think that if we think again about how to think about the future of the discipline, I'm very confident that people are going to look back to this book as... Uh, a sort of milestone in the sense of how to think about the discipline and, and how the different different agendas had uh, things in common. So, thanks a lot for that. Thanks a lot for Thank being Thank you here. for the invitation. I hope you, to, you. to to see you soon.